As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to What is Going Om for new thought from the edge of Om. Each week on Om Time's flagship radio show, veteran broadcaster, author, and media consultant Sandy Sedgbeer conducts thought provoking interviews with inspirational authors, artists, musicians, scientists, speakers, and filmmakers who are working at the point where spirituality and science meet consciousness at the very edge of Om. Here is your host, Sandy Sedgbeer. Hello. As everybody is aware, we're living through some extremely challenging times right now. And if there's one thing that can help calm the chaos and ease the anxiety, it's a small and often overused but not so frequently practiced four-letter word that underpins today's show. Joining me in this important conversation is someone who is widely regarded, not just as a huge proponent of this word, but as the very embodiment of it. A recipient of the Distinguished Peace Leadership Award given earlier to the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Dr. Rien Eisler is internationally known for her groundbreaking contributions as a cultural historian, systems scientist, evolutionary theorist, attorney, speaker, author of several best-selling books, including The Chalice and the Blade, Our History, Our Future, and others. And she's also the president of the Centre for Partnership Systems. Dr. Rianne Eisler, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Sandy. It's good to see you again. I hope you're keeping well. Thank you. So, as you well know, the word I'm referring to is care. A small and simple word, but one imbued with enormous power because with it we can change our thinking about everything we've been doing that has brought us to this moment and create the better world that many of us are urgently seeking. Without it, well, you know, more chaos uh, and uh, more challenges, I would think. So your life's work has been focused on care. And you've addressed the UN General Assembly and the Department of State and Congressional Briefings. You've authored over 500 articles, published in many outlets, and you grew up in Nazi Europe during the war. So you know the devastation of war, displacement, and being forced to create a new life, which many people are being forced to do now, and not necessarily through war. 
But as you've been saying for decades, the answer to all of the problems we've experienced lies in bringing about a cultural transformation from domination to partnership. Before we dive into that, can you just explain for those who might not be familiar with it, the difference between a domination system and a partnership system? that we're not used to understanding or to seeing because if you look at our past, our present possibilities for our future through conventional lenses of studies or of categories like right, secular, Eastern, Western, Northern, Southern, you cannot see them because these categories and these studies either ignore little attention to really some of the basics of human life, which is our intimate family, gender, child relations. And what these two configurations show, and one, as you said, is called the partnership system, the other system, and it's really a scale because the society orient completely to one or the other configuration, uh, what it shows is connection between whether a society is peaceful or equitable on the one hand, or more warlike and more violent and more inequitable on the other. And it is connected directly with our fundamental, foundational uh, childhood gender relations, how those are structured. And we know this from neuroscience now, as I've uh, documented in my latest book that came out with Oxford University Press in 2019, Nurturing Our Humanity. So we see this in some of the most regressive societies, violent societies of modern times, whether uh, it was Hitler's uh, Nazi regime, whether it was Stalin's leftist uh, autocratic regime, whether it's the Taliban, whether it's ISIS, whether it's the so-called rightist fundamentalist alliance, one of their top goals always is either maintaining or returning to an authoritarian, highly punitive male-dominated family. And this is not a coincidence this relationship between an autocratic, violent family uh, and an autocratic, violent regime. Uh, for example, Putin, and you know, we're coming to where we are today, uh, in 2007, substantially reduced the penalty for family violence. So if you hit your child or your wife, it is a much, much more lenient penalty than if you hit a stranger or kill a stranger. Mm, yeah. And we all know what happens when people uh, have physical abuse, especially children. They often grow up knowing nothing else but violence. Um, that is so. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us about, you know, said, you're doing... Sorry. Oh. Finish no, what you were going to say. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is uh, the connection 
because domination systems, depending on how rigidly and how much they orient to that side, are really trauma factories. Yeah, absolutely. So the work you've been doing your entire life is really about changing this um, this situation. And you developed the um, Centre for Partnership Systems. You have uh, a number of wonderful online courses and on-demand webinars on your site. And I would like to discuss a little of some of those courses because if there's anywhere that people can go to find out where they can begin to understand what's happening and where they can begin to change that, I think it's your sites. So let's talk about building a partnership world. What does that take? Well, it takes both short-term and long-term work. Um, it is not coincidentally, for example, that in the United States, going way back uh, to the 1960s, when the women's liberation movement, and with it to some extent already, the movement towards children's rights, began that there was this backlash. Uh, and it was a long-term planning that went into from from the, you know, we're talking about 50, 60 years now of planning. And rather than just being reactive, it's being proactive and focusing on four cornerstones. One is childhood. Why? Because we know from neuroscience uh, that, well, we're not born with fully developed brains and our brains develop in interaction with our environments, uh, which, and, it's, and they're very different depending on the degree of orientation to either end of the partnership domination social scale. So that, uh, it, for example, I mean, why such punitive child rearing is recommended in so-called Christian parenting guides that tell you that children have to learn that the parent's word is law lest they be, quote, spoiled. Uh, again, not, not a coincidence. It's part of that domination configuration. Uh, then, of course, uh, what do children learn? They learn that violence to impose your will on others uh, is not only normal, but moral. moral. is gender. There's a lot to say about it because what children learn, they learn to start with the word care. They learn to devalue care. Why? Because in dominant systems, you have very rigid gender stereotypes. Not coincidentally, because how can you rank one over the other without, you know, these rigid stereotypes? Yeah. And of course, anything associated with women or the so-called feminine, whether in a woman or a man, is devalued. And what are some of these things that are devalued, the very things that we depend on for life? Caring, nonviolence. Uh, it, it, it's a hidden system of gendered values that we have to recognize and change. And there are a lot of trends toward this now. Uh, but we have been so uh, 
it's conditioned to think of them as just just women's issues, you know, gender, just a women's issue. No, it's a key social issue. Because what do children learn in these families? They learn in-group versus out-group thinking. They learn to equate difference, beginning with the difference in form between the female and the male form, right? With either superiority or inferiority, being dominated, being served, or serving. And that goes then into a template for equating all differences, whether they're based on race or religion. I mean, in, in the Middle East, it's uh, Shia versus Sunni and Sunni versus Shia. It doesn't really matter. It can be a different sect, even, as, 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 as that example is. Uh, so we've inherited this from more rigid domination times, which takes me to economics, and I've written a whole book on economics called The Real Wealth of Nations, um, mm. that we have to leave behind. We have to identify and start leaving behind this gender system of values, which is built into both capitalism and socialism. And I can talk more about that. And the fourth cornerstone is story and language. You know, the two words that we have in the English language uh, for anything a society connected with gender are patriarchy and matriarchy. And think about that, because either mother's rule or father's rule, there is, in our language, no partnership alternative. Yeah. And there is a partnership alternative, and we know from archaeology, from uh, linguistics, from even DNA studies, um, that for millennia, uh, human society is oriented more to the partnership side. Not ideal, but less violent, more gender balance, more equitable. Hmm. Um, I've heard that in cultures, um, like Polynesian cultures, that have um, uh, a much more relaxed attitude towards sex, that there is very little war. Um, and it's only in the cultures that repress sex um, that, you know, there's an abundance of those characteristics that we associate with war and violence and domination. Why is that? Well, first of all, I think we have to look at the nuances because a sexuality in men, in male-dominated societies is not repressed. It is distorted, and it you see the erotization, what I called in my book Sacred Pleasure, uh, which uses the partnership and domination lenses to look at both sexuality and spirituality. Uh, in men, there is this conditioning to eroticize domination and violence. You know, you see it very clearly in pornography, don't you? Yeah. But you see it in ads. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and both women and men internalize this. I mean, we now, of course, have trends away from that. Um, feminist writers are writing about the male gaze, for example, and trying to get away from that towards more gender equity. And men, the men's movement is very, very important. Um, but, um, that was an old theory that really avoided looking at gender. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That it's the repression of sexuality. And it's not the repression of sexuality, actually. It is the distortion of sexuality with women being conditioned to equate it with submissiveness. And, of course, then there's Christianity and this whole notion that there's something wrong with the human body and hence with sex, right? And that it's all Eve's fault. Think of that story. I mean, because, you know, there are two stories in Genesis about human creation. One is that Elohim, it's a plural, Elohim, I am is a plural uh, in Hebrew, created both women and men in its image, his, her, its image, okay? The other one, however, is the one that's really well known, and it's a later story, and it blames Eve for nothing less than our fall from paradise. And, you know, when I was a little girl, because in the Bible it says, henceforth, woman will be subservient to man. And I always wanted to know, what was it like before the henceforth? Nobody wanted to talk about it. And nobody wanted to talk about why woman would ask advice from a snake, you know, because we usually don't do this, right? Nobody wanted to talk about it. And it was only when I did the research for first the chalice and the blade and then sacred pleasure and that I really understood that the snake, the serpent, used to be a symbol of oracular prophecy, I mean, even the Oracle of Delphi, even in Greek times, which were already pretty pretty domination-oriented, very domination-oriented, really, the Oracle of Delphi was a priestess, a pythoness, she was called, because she worked with a snake, a python, to put herself into an oracular trance. And you go back to Minoan Crete, which is the last European high civilization that oriented more to the partnership side, and you see these so-called goddess or priestess figures, again, with snakes coiled around their arms um, in a trance. So it was no coincidence under the old reality that Eve would ask advice from a snake. However, the new reality is, of course, her punishment for thinking for herself, for asking questions, uh, for even daring to imagine a question that is different from the one that she was ordered to think. That's the new reality. Wow. You um, have a course on your site about raising care in men. Um, 
do we also need to be looking at raising caring women? Absolutely both, because I think that one of the uh, problems is that in sort of to try to get rid of the subordination of women and will it care, some, not all, not all feminists, just a proportion of, 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 of feminism started to say, well, when I wrote <laughs> The Real Wealth of Nations, two, uh, quote, feminist economists wrote that women or feminists need care like a fish needs a bicycle, which is very clever, you know, but it's totally insane to throw out, so to speak, the baby with the bathwater. Of yeah. course, care is fundamental, and that is why uh, in my 2007 book, The Real Wealth of Nations, I write about moving beyond both capitalism and socialism, which really both came out of very early industrial times, the 1700s, the 1800s. They'd be antiquated if it weren't for, you know, I mean, if we just think about it, really, we're now in the <coughs> post-industrial 21st century, right? Mm. Uh, but both capitalism and socialism perpetuated this hidden system of gendered values, that the work of care, whether it's for people or for nature, is to be done for free by a woman in a male-controlled household. She's supposed to keep a clean family environment, which of course translates into our planetary environment. And she's supposed to care for children, for the sick, for the elderly, for free. So much so that even as late as when Marx wrote, uh, as an attorney, I know this because my work is very multidisciplinary. In most jurisdictions, a wife could not sue for injuries negligently inflicted on her. Only her husband could for loss of her services. And we're wow. carrying that. We're carrying that in GDP, which ignores the three life-sustaining sectors the natural economy, the volunteer community economy, and the household economy. And we can't go on like that. So yes, we need markets. Yes, we need government policies. COVID showed we need both, of course. But the question is what kinds of policies? And they should have as economics should really be geared towards caring for people starting at birth and caring for our natural life support systems. When and how do you think that we started overlooking, uh, disvaluing, you know, the need to care for one another and to care for our society and to care for our culture and to care for our planet? Well, it was during a period of great dislocation, disequilibrium. Um, you know, it happened in our prehistory long, long ago, long before the Hebrew Bible, long before, you know, they, they, they sort of, you know, the remissing certainly cemented that. But there are various theories about how and why it happened. The theory that is now getting quite a bit of scholarly support is the theory of an archaeologist called Maria Gimbutas, 
who asked, she was an Indo-Europeanist, and she said that the domination system was brought into Europe by pastoralist nomads, in other words, herders. And the DNA evidence now is showing that exactly during the time that she says there was a complete, almost complete change in the DNA of the population. So mm -hmm. that seems to support, at least in the area of, she calls old Europe, which is the Baltic area, which is where she did most of the excavating also in Greece, that at least in those areas, that is what happened. But um, it may have happened in different places for different reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, a group of uh, scholars at the Chinese Academy of Social, of Social Sciences in Beijing, after The Chalice and the Blade came out in Chinese, wrote their own book, The Chalice and the Blade in Chinese Culture, showing again that there was this shift. Um, it, it's in English and in Chinese. You can perhaps get it online still. Very interesting book, especially Brilliant. the chapter on a group that ex this still exists um, in northern China because it was very isolated, um, where you have a much more equal partnership between women and men. And both women and men are care for children. Mm. Men, and you do see that in some, in some indigenous um, people still. Yes, you still see that in some. And I'm glad you said some, Sandy, because we tend to not having... See, we need this new framing, really, very desperately. We need pattern recognition. We should be teaching children from the very early on pattern recognition, which children do. As a matter of fact, you ask children, what was your best relationship and what was your worst relationship? And they will talk... They'll say, well, my best relationship was when I was seen, when I was respected, when I was heard. My worst relationship was when I was forced, you know, coerced, uh, ordered the partnership or nomination system. It's, it's really fascinating. But we need this so badly because uh, a colleague of mine calls our conventional social categories weapons of mass distraction because they fragment our consciousness. I mean, consider that they either marginalize or leave out the majority of humanity, women and children. I mean, that's yeah. huge, huge. Massive, massive, yeah. What do you think, I mean, we're hearing so much these days about children um, wanting, you know, to be trans, to change, to, you know, try on uh, a different gender. Do you think that that is, you know, is what's been happening to us responsible for that? Or is there no relation? Is this just something that's happening? I'm trying to get a fix on, you know, why that might be. Well, I, I think it's complicated. But I think that it has a lot to do with leaving behind the rigid gender stereotypes. Because if you can leave those behind... Now, there are some people who are born with ambiguous sexual mm. sexuality, okay. And um, for them, this blurring of gender lines uh, is very important because 
they can really, uh, you know, identify as one or the other. But it's also worrisome in some respects because so many of the men who are choosing to be women uh, embrace the gender stereotype of the frilly dress and the high heels and the, mm -hmm. in other words, they go whole hog for the old gender stereotype that yes. women are, I mean, think about it, we're hobbled by, by a lot of this. Um, and of course, you know, when uh, we got, uh, it, you know, women were able to participate more in sports when women, you know, we, we see a lot, but it's a time today of great disequilibrium. And what this, we're seeing that what this brings about is forward movement, yes, but yes. it also brings back, brings on regression, especially because the domination mindset is to follow the authority figure and be in denial, you know, that it's precisely the authority figure that's causing them pain and to deflect their anger and their rage and their fear to the out group. Remember, we talked about the out group. Mm. And so we're seeing both a regression, uh, fear of people are being manipulated crazily through fear of yes. the other. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of trends that we really should be heartened by. And one of them is the movement towards children's rights. I yes. mean, we didn't used to hear at all about children's rights. And now we do. And as I said, it's not coincidental that people like Putin, who are really, you know, like Trump, I mean, poster children for the domination system, uh, really don't respect, they didn't have respect in their own childhoods, and they are perpetuating this in the social system. Um, it, it, is, it is a time that we really do have to understand what's going on. That the battle for our future is not between right, left, religious, secular, eastern, western, northern, southern. It's between those trying to move us forward towards the partnership side. And it's the dominator regress regression, mm -hmm. not just resistance, but regression. Yeah. Before we go to a break, um, I'd like to just talk about children for a little bit, because when you and I spoke in 2019 when Nurturing Humanity was released, you outlined a number of statistics related to children um, and what was happening with um, uh, child sex trafficking, um, uh, genital mutilation, in so many ways that children were being harmed and disenfranchised. Have you any evidence that anything has changed since then. Well, what has changed is the consciousness, and that is really the first step. More and more, you know, I remember when I first became involved in the human rights uh, arena, talking to a human rights luminary uh, and saying, we've got to take a stand on genital mutilation. And he said, well, we have to really prioritize, you know, and torture, you know, torture of political prisoners. And I said, but genital mutilation is torture. 
he couldn't see it. He didn't see it. Today, we are recognizing, well, I mean, in nurturing our humanity, as you know, I uh, described, for example, some of the studies taking place in the United States where we do not have as a norm genital mutilation or child brides of, or, 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 I mean, you know, really some of the terrible abuses that are parts of cultures that orient more to the domination side, whether they're Eastern or Western, Northern or Southern. Um, the ACES studies, the Adverse Childhood Experiences studies, and they show that even here, uh, a very substantial proportion of the population are traumatized by their early childhood experiences, but it isn't only their childhood experiences. Uh, when I said that domination systems are trauma factories, it's all institutions. I mean, education, it used to be you hit the child. Mm. You know, if you read uh, Ariel uh, and uh, Durant's, you know, their, their work. Uh, my God, I mean, the school teachers bragged about how often they caned students yeah. uh, and we still have that heritage uh, it's economics uh, domination economics and it isn't only capitalism I mean neoliberalism so-called trickle-down economics it's it's really domination economics it's obscene you know like in feudal times you're supposed to content yourself with the scraps falling from the opulent tables of those on top uh, they create artificial scarcities not only by misdistributing to those on top uh, and also misdistributing into weapons and war, destruction. I mean, we see it in, in the Ukraine right now. It's horrific. Yes. It's, yes. it's horrible. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they also uh, create economic scarcity by not investing in caring for children. Yes. Think about that, because we know that that high-quality capital that economists talk so much about for the post-industrial era, that that's the most important capital, whether we do or don't have these resilient, creative people who can work in teams rather than just taking or giving orders, largely hinges on the quality of care and education children receive in their first five years. So it's totally, it's, we have to really stand reality right side up. Yeah. 
Absolutely. We're going to take a short break now, Leanne. You're listening to What Is Going On. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and my guest today is social systems scientist, cultural historian, futurist, attorney, and best-selling author, Dr. Rianne Eisler, whose research, writing, and speaking has inspired and transformed the lives of people worldwide. And we're discussing the work and the mission of the Centre for Partnership Systems, which offers solutions, support, and tools to apply that word care to building a partnership world. We'll be back with more in a few moments. Stay tuned. Om Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust spheric approach. Own Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Own Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Own Times Magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Ohm Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Ohm Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Ohm Times, open yourself to the possibilities. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way get inside each other's minds walk a mile in my shoes walk Walk a mile mile in my my shoes well before you abuse criticize and accuse walk a mile in my shoes welcome back Dr. Rianne Eisler, um, you talked about the four pillars, one of which is um, economy. Um, you say that partnership systems require a caring economy. What does that look like and how do we achieve it? Well, um, our President Biden in the United States has been talking about human infrastructure a term that I coined in 2007, by the way, as well as about caring economics. And even though the term caring economics has been co-opted now to refer only to direct care, it's a step, isn't it? I mean, when I wrote that book, putting caring and economics in the same sentence was like, oh my gosh. And today we hear that. So the first step is changing consciousness. Um, Because I wrote a book with my wonderful uh, husband and partner, David Loy, called uh, The Partnership Way, uh, which really um, offers, I, 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 I mentioned this because I think we can all become agents, as the commercials that we just saw. Um, mentioned, um, we can change this in-group versus out-group thinking by understanding that, yes, it is related to the in-group of mankind and the female other, that that's the first 
really in groups or out groups that children learn. At the same time, they can learn about racism. They can learn because it's the same template. You know, it's the other. Mm. It's yeah. dehumanizing the other, blaming the other. Um, so I, I, I think we're talking about action following from changes of consciousness. I mean, if you, Margaret Mead, you know, the anthropologist, she said that just about every good change, you know, whether it was uh, getting uh, outlawing child labor or having more humane hours of work, et cetera, et cetera, they were due to a small group of women and men, usually unpopular group, uh, and what impelled them was their change of consciousness. It does not have to be this way. And once, and this is why I think that the Chalice and the Blade, Sacred Pleasure, which are where my attempts to untangle, how did this happen? I mean, why, why I have two chapters in the Chalice and the Blade called Reality Stood on Its Head. And it's about the remissing process, where all of a sudden from in Chatalhuyak, having a statue of a woman giving birth as part of the sacred art, you have uh, you have to you, a male priest has to purify a woman after she gives birth. I mean, what happened? But but consider that when I was growing up, school teachers couldn't teach if they were pregnant in the United States because why have children see this obscene thing? What's obscene? The violence that children are constantly exposed to. Mind you, it's no longer as in the Roman times or even in medieval Christian times, you know, public violence or, or the stoning of women that we still, or of, mm -hmm. of gays or, I mean, all of these brutal practices. But it, it, it really is the action flows from the understanding that it doesn't have to be this way. And this is why I think that these two books, uh, Chalice and the Blade and Sacred Pleasure, uh, are so important because they document. They, and, and so, I mean, I mean, all the way forward to nurturing our humanity, they document that we know from neurochemistry even, and we know from anthropology that as for, for millions of years, while we were virgins, we weren't more to the partner side. And then that even lasted times. I said in the non creed, it lasted. So we know that warfare is at least 10,000 years old, which is a drop in, in cultural human evolution. Hmm. So knowing that it doesn't have to be this way and identifying the trends toward the partnership side. But there is a lot of work to do. And as I said, some of it is short range, but some of it we have to plan ahead. We have to have a integrated partnership political agenda. And I wrote about uh, that called the power of partnership, which is kind of a how-to book um, mm. with next steps after each chapter and so on, and I highly recommend that. But I think that the change in consciousness, which you're 
part of, of course, is very important. And once we understand the configuration, what are the foundations on which domination systems keep rebuilding themselves? You know, the childhood, gender, economics, story and language, we can pay attention to those. Yeah. The um, caring economy part, um, we hear a lot um, in recent years, there's been a lot of talk about universal income and governments, um, you know, giving um, people uh, a set amount of money so that everybody, you know, nobody's going to be under the poverty line. And there are two schools of thought that I come across with that. One is that, um, you know, that's a great thing. And then I hear from other people that that's the government dominating because, <laughs> you know, um, then they've got control over you. I mean, it, would you see that as part of a caring economy? You know, I've changed my mind on that. In, uh, a nurture, in, in, in the real wealth of nations, I felt that the stipend should be associated with some form of care. But what that would require is a huge bureaucracy. And so I think that, uh, see, it's a complicated issue because overpopulation is really behind our terrible e ecological problems. I mean, and, and overpopulation is the result of denying women um, any identity other than a relational one as wife or mother or daughter, right? Um, because you ask women in Africa, do you want to have more children? And they say, no, I mean, I can barely take care. There are books, books written quoting these women. Um, so it, it, I think I've come to the realization that, yes, a, a, a stipend where people can live in some dignity and uh, not have to scrape um, is a good idea. However, I think it has to come along with really an educational campaign uh, that shows what we're moving toward, that it is a caring economics of partnerism that we want to create, but as an interim measure. And of course, it isn't a form of domination. I mean, people are, we, we, people are so dependent. You know, it's very funny how the language is manipulated to job creators, right? Are the people who control the resources. But that's crazy. I mean, you can also say that it's really obscene to have a small group of people controlling as much wealth and more wealth than the majority of the human population. There's something wrong with that picture. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I think that you want to have some incentives for entrepreneurship. Uh, at the same time that you have a universal income. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really, really important. Uh, among other things, that will be part of the educational campaign. One of the um, webinars on uh, your website is um, 
shift into partnership in education with trauma-sensitive schools. You say that trauma-sensitive schools are a foundation for partnership. Um, you know, right now, we know that our children are very, very traumatised. You know, f from the small ones, just from the pandemic alone, many of them, their lives have been changed so much. And, and that's, you know, not taken into account all the other things that are happening in the world. That are With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Traumatic for children. Tell me about a trauma-sensitive school. Well, you know... Again, it is a trend towards the partnership side. Um, I mean, it's the realization that uh, in um, when you have children who are traumatized and poverty is traumatizing, mm -hmm. racism is traumatizing, and yes, violence in homes, neglect is traumatizing. You know, when you have a confluence of these factors, which you unfortunately do uh, in so many areas, in so many cases, uh, you can't really expect children to learn. I mean, the first step is just helping them uh, with the torrent of emotions and confusion with the trauma. So that is a very important partnership step. And I um, think that it's good news that some teachers are actually doing that. But of course, if you talk to the people who are very much in the rigid domination mindset, they'll say, well, I turned out okay. Well, did you really? I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you support punitive policies, you know, this hidden system of gendered values is very interesting because there's always seems to be money for prisons, right? And what's that? It's the punitive male head of household. And there always seems to be money for weapons, for wars. That yes. I mean, I, as a Holocaust survivor, I really think that in a world where we have the threat from so many domination, more domination-oriented regimes, we have to have defense. But what we have in the United States is, is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the wastefulness of it. I mean, toilet seats that cost a bloody fortune. I mean, and we know about it. Mm. And it is unnecessary. Um, yeah. But they don't want to to invest. They, for them, there never is enough money for caring for children, for caring for the elderly, because they're somehow the out group, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, of course. So just going back to the schools, what sort of initiatives are being implemented to make a school trauma sensitive? What sort of things are they doing? Well, I think that the first thing is um, really bringing in people to explain what is going on. 
And there's going to be a lot of denial about that from people who are brought up in rigid domination subcultures or cultures. Uh, you know, whether it's climate change denial, uh, whether it's COVID denial, uh, whether it's election result denial, it's, this is a mentality that's based on denial. Mm. And it's also based on the idea that parents should have complete control over their children with no, quote, interference from the state. Well, mm. the whole issue with trauma is that there has to be an outside agency or it just keeps perpetuating. I mean, the good news is that some people, as you know, who were brought up in rigid domination environments reject them. Yes. But, but some are so damaged that they're really hermetically sealed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, there's also um, intergenerational trauma. I mean, there's been a lot of research done on, you know, how we will often carry trauma in ourselves that isn't our trauma, but it's ancestral trauma. And, you know, this can be quite common, especially in countries that have had incredible, you know, um, challenges, uh, you know, war in Germany. I've heard after the war, many people um, who weren't even part of the war for generations felt incredibly depressed having carried this trauma within their system. Well, to give credit to the German government, uh, unlike the Austrians who never accepted responsibility, I was born in Vienna, in Austria, mm -hmm. the Germans embraced and said, yes, the Holocaust was something that we really created and we're going to remedy it. Um, I think that the recognition of the trauma is very, very important. But there's also understanding, as I said again and again, what we need to do to change it. Because if you think of the progressive uh, social movements, they've all challenged the same thing. It's a tradition of domination. Whether it was the Enlightenment movement of the so-called rights of man, challenging the so-called divinely ordained right of kings to rule, or the women's liberation movement, and first the feminist movement, challenging the so-called divinely ordained right of men to rule over women and children, or the abolitionist and then the civil rights and now the Black Lives Matter movement, challenging another supposedly divinely ordained right of a so-called superior race to control so-called inferior ones, all the way to the environmental movement, challenging our once hallowed conquest and domination of nature, which at our level of technological development, guided by an ethos of domination, we're, 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 we're finished. Uh, but they have left the foundations pretty much intact. And as the Olinger studies showed, um, the norm, for example, in Nazi Germany was a domination family. And that's yeah. where you see regression upon regression. Uh, or in Egypt, they got rid of um, Mubarak, but they ele elected this uh, awful guy who was a really a fundamentalist, and a domination fundamentalist, I call them, not religious, because that's what he was. Um, it isn't elections that 
make democracy its consciousness. Consciousness, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it seems sometimes when we look at what's happening in the world as if we're going backwards. I mean, here we are once again with millions of people, not just in Ukraine, but many countries. Many you know, countries. have lost their homes, been forced to face the horrors. They've left their homes, left their countries. Their safety and security has gone because someone or some faction, you know, believes in domination over partnership. Do you really think we have it in us to change that? We have it in us to change that. I really suggest, because you were talking about the Center for Partnership Systems, there's a course that's available uh, online with four videos, um, where we are, how did we get here, uh, what really is human nature, and yes, the pleasure centers in our brains light up more when we share and care, neuroscience shows this, than when we win or dominate. I mean, we're more predisposed towards the partnership side, but culture can override that, and that's why we have to change our culture. And of course, the fourth is the four cornerstones. How do we change that? It's called changing our story, changing our lives. And I highly, highly recommend it to everyone. It is very affordable and uh, it has tons of resources with it. But again, it's change of consciousness. Consciousness, yeah, yeah. So that's where we all have to begin. And yes, the responsibility definitely. for that is on us, on ourselves. Absolutely. And as I said, pay attention to the resistance, but also to the trends of change. Because it's not enough to deconstruct, you have to reconstruct. And to reconstruct, you have to understand what you are trying to build. And that is the work that I do, the work that the Center for Partnership Systems does. And as I will again and again repeat, and this is why I'm so happy to be on your show, Sandy, it starts with changing our consciousness, leaving behind the old ways of thinking. Einstein said it. He said you cannot change, you cannot solve problems with the same, with the same consciousness that created them. Yeah. So that's what I really invite all of our people who are listening uh, to we can make a difference. Yes, we can make a difference. I mean, wasn't it Margaret Mead who said that, um, you know, never underestimate what, you know, a small group of people can do? Absolutely. She was so right. It's always been a small group of people, and we can change it starting with changing the conversation. When people start from capitalism to socialism, say, oh, I mean, we need a economism. This is the era. It can't work with an operating system that ignores or life-sustaining sexes of the economy, the economy, the economy, the household economy. We have to change our thinking. 
Are you optimistic? for goodness sakes, but enough of us have to push for that. Yeah. There are many, yeah. many things that we can each do depending on where we are situated, but all of us can change the conversation and start talking about the transformation to leadership and be part of that shift actively in any and every way we can. Well, the Centre for Partnership Systems certainly has um, a lot of resources for anybody who doesn't know where to start. You know, right there, they can they can find the pathway. Um, what what do you have coming up in the near future? Well, a lot of things. But while you're talking about the centre website, I urge people to go to Media Kit because there's some great graphics. And I I mean really explain simply the difference between partnership and domination system, explaining care because of partners, etc. But I have up, well, there are some uh, um, films being made about me and my work, so I'll be doing interviews for some of these. I'm doing a lot of uh, interviews other than that. Uh, and I'm, of course, working to develop a toolkit for technology. We got a small grant from the Ford Foundation, uh, and it's a technology a toolkit, a partnership technology toolkit to really, because our advanced technology like AI will have a huge influence yes. on our lives, and we have got to sensitize, change the consciousness. What are you perpetuating the nomination assumptions, nomination thinking, the nomination structures, or can AI and other breakthrough technologies be used to shift from domination to partnership? So there are a lot of things that I'm still doing. Are you writing another book? Yes, um, my dear husband died and I am writing a book Giving the background to his wonderful poetry. And quite a change, but a beautiful one. Mm. Yes, well, it's yeah. in his honor that I want yeah. to do that. He was my life partner, my best friend, and we were together for 45 years. So, yeah, I do a lot of crying, <laughs> aside from anything else. And you have a lot of wonderful memories. Yes, I do, but they're also painful because he's yes. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that the um, the work you're doing on the book for his poetry, that, that's a, a great testament and a great, you know, to a wonderful relationship, a wonderful partnership, I would imagine, um, as well. So, um, yeah, I wish you well with that. Thank you so much, Sandy. And thank you for the good work that you are doing. I really appreciate you 
and everything that you are doing. Bless you. You too. Thank you for joining us today. If you care about raising a healthier generation of children and moving away from a punitive and domination-based society to a world that leads with partnership, where empathy, care and community are valued above all, and each can fulfill our human potential. Dr. Rianne Eisler's latest book, Nurturing Our Humanity, and the Centre for Partnership Systems can offer you roadmaps for how to achieve this. I heartily recommend them. So you can learn more about Dr. Rianne Eisler's courses, programmes and resources at centreforpartnership.org and learnpartnership.org. And you can learn more about Rianne Eisler's books and work at rianneisler.com. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer. Thank you for joining me today and I look forward to being with you at the same time next week. Till then, it's goodbye from me. <laughs>